0: This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here, what you're about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecasts that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch. So you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. I made a special kind of additional forecast about this longer transit of the lunar nodes entering Scorpio and Taurus from where they've been in Sagittarius and Gemini since May of 2020. They move into Scorpio and Taurus on January 18th, 2022, and will stay in this pair of signs until July 17th, 2023. I'm prefacing the audio that I'm about to share because I forgot to name those dates, and that's important. The nodes are... Um, traveling through a pair of signs for around a year and a half. This is where we will have our eclipses throughout 2022 on this axis, Scorpio and Taurus. So in the following audio, I'm going to share some things about some general themes that you may notice in your own life and in the collective throughout the next year and a half. And I'll get into sharing that now. (music) Brina Monarch of monarchastrology.com and this video I'm going to talk about the lunar nodes, the nodes of the moon switching from Sagittarius and Gemini to Scorpio and Taurus. So since May of 2020, the south node was in Sagittarius and the north node was in Gemini and coming up January 18th, 2022, the North node will be in Taurus and the south node in Scorpio. So, the lunar nodes have been a huge part of my practice, especially in natal charts. My books are currently open. If you're interested in looking at your chart from a perspective of Pluto and the lunar nodes, that's always where I start. But um, the lunar nodes represent this kind of karmic past and karmic trajectory. In an individual's natal chart, it's like the thread of your kind of karmic storyline, past and future. And it's not always so linear. Sometimes there is a kind of like um, back and forth between past and the future. If we have a planet, say, squaring the nodes, if we're going to look at this from the collective perspective, it's kind of like, what is the tint of the cultural ego at the moment in time that we have this transit So before I get into the nodes switching into Scorpio and Taurus and what that will mean for the next year and a half, I want to look back at Gemini and Sagittarius in review. The nodes in Sagittarius and Gemini brought a lot of attention... To our beliefs and our ideas, Gemini Sagittarius axis, the south node is going to be where energy is um, being kicked up. You know, we could say that that's where energy is draining or that's what's releasing. That is part of the south node, but it also is like, the lunar nodes are basically a dragon in the mythology and the South node is the tail of the dragon. And we can think of this tail kind of sweeping up debris from the ground layer and kicking it up into the air. Like it's the zeitgeist, right? So it's like, this has been material that's been around, but now we're really going to blow it up so you can see it. And so you can process it and, um, adjust your karma with it. You know, whether you grab onto that material and renew your lease on the karma or you let it go. So with Sagittarius, there, um, there was a sense of reexamining some of our beliefs, um, our worldview, right? Things that we have, um, unconsciously believed or kind of taken in as our cultural conditioning. And then Gemini as the North node would have emphasized, um, taking on new ideas or new perspectives. One way that this showed up, was this proliferation of so many different storytelling narratives about shared issues such as the pandemic, right? Like there were a lot of divergent narratives about what the pandemic is, you know, where it came from, how it started, um, from kind of like the scientific perspective to the conspiracy theory perspective from the spiritual perspectives. Right. And all of these different narratives about how, Um, the collective, how the individual ought to deal with it. And Sagittarius also relates to culture and things like tribe as well as race. And Gemini relates to language and the capacity to translate between the worlds. So Gemini Sagittarius, when I see this in um, natal charts, um, when there's a planet squaring these nodes, sometimes there's a theme in the individual's life that they've been in a lot of different cultural spaces, that they grew up for a couple years in one country and then moved to another country. And their parents didn't speak the language, but they did. And they became the translator or the person has traveled so much that they have. um this sense of belonging everywhere and belonging nowhere, like they are this intermediary Gemini between the world, Sagittarius. And so this can be a sense of, on the one hand, a lot of fruitful kind of uh, cultural literacy and being able to move between cultures. And it can also be a deeper grasp on some of the misunderstandings, which is also a Gemini thing, communication. Um, What are the communication barriers? What are the misunderstandings? Where are the clashes in worldview between these groups of people or between these countries, um, between these differing worldviews? And so I think that this experience we had on the Internet, say, of like echo chambers or, you know, interacting with people with wildly divergent viewpoints and the sense of, um, further division ideologically or kind of ideological warfare or where there was space to kind of bridge the gap, you know, or create, um, some transformative breakthrough in communication, the eclipses. So the eclipses always involve the nodal axis, the lunar nodes, The eclipse is the summer of 2020 on these nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius um, saw the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent spikes in the Black Lives Matter movement, um, as well as an increase in collective conversation around race and racism. So we have here Gemini-Sagittarius axis and remembering what I said about this kind of um, dragon tail kicking something up that's already been here, one of the parts of the conversation around Black Lives Matter is that this isn't new. Racism isn't new. It's been here. But now people can see it in this different way um, because of um, like videos, right, spreading on the Internet of uh, police brutality or like racial targeted police brutality, And this becoming more part of the collective conversation to, you know, and that reaching groups of people that weren't paying attention to that. So then there was this collective call for greater cultural literacy, essentially. So cultural Sagittarius Gemini literacy um, for those who have had the privilege to not think about race um, in the same way. So like white people not thinking about race in the same way as people of color, there became this kind of call to responsibility or call to, you know, do research, read books about racism and anti-racism and books about anti-racism were like selling, um, kind of like selling out, I think. And so that kind of Gemini, like increase in cultural conversation, increase in this being something that, you know, you go to the market and there's, um, signs black lives matter, like it's been, um, put into collective conversation. Right. So this has been the Gemini Sagittarius kind of zeitgeist energy since May of 2020. Um, another kind of thread that this took on, Um, was toward the, the end of the nodes being in this sign, in these signs, there was movement around cancel culture. So cancel culture started out as something that was just kind of happening. And there wasn't as much meta dialogue about it. Or there was a fear that if you critique cancel culture, that you'll put yourself in front of the mob and also be canceled. Right. And then toward the end, um, there began to be a lot more critique about cancel culture itself, um, including from the activist communities, which have often been part of cancel movements. So I want to credit Ari Felix, um, saltwater.stars on Instagram for um, these, the cancel culture part. Um, I'm not sure if I think about cancel culture's rise and fall from the lens of these notes um, had it not been for their work. So not that cancel culture has gone away, but we also saw the rise of the critique of it. And so this Gemini, Sagittarius, the sense of we have these groups of people, uh, Sagittarius, so communities, tribe, um, people with similar worldview, racial groups, um, national groups, the sense of like either kind of like shared, shared land, shared belief system, shared community, community. And the kind of language, right, that is spoken amongst people with the similar worldview or who come from the same place and the kind of back and forth between different groups of people around how do we how do we get on the same page, Gemini? Like, how do we share a reality, you know, so that we're not in these kind of, um, echo chambers and talking at, you know, walls and not really communicating, but like, let's build a bridge, Gemini. Um, can you see my reality, you know, from my perspective, can I see your reality from your perspective and where that was not possible because of an excess in dogma, Sagittarius and belief. Right. And so certain, um, certain belief systems, can have it wired in that nothing else is valid. And Gemini and Sagittarius can really be about rationalization in that way. So one that I've been thinking about lately, which is a f- not, you know, new, but in Christianity, the way that it's practiced sometimes involves things outside of it being satanic or like temptations, right? So the worldview holds a kind of whatever's outside the gate, you know, is Satan or some kind of temptation. And so when we have an ideology or a viewpoint about reality that explains away the anomalies or explains away the data, and we take in the data to rationalize our existing viewpoint, then we're not going to change our minds. We're not going to change our vision of reality. And so this kind of came through, you know, to bring it back to Black Lives Matter, the resistance to that movement is to kind of in this impulsive way to be like, well, all lives matter, um, which is to invalidate the message of the movement, which is never saying that all lives don't matter, um, but that there has been specific inequities and injustices um, that Black Lives Matter is addressing. Right. So thinking about how open we were or the collective was during the North Node in Gemini to see things from other perspectives um, as opposed to simply holding on to an ideology. And for some people, you know, the ideology could have been, well, race issues have improved um, or we live in like a just world, like everything's fine in that regard and to take in the information um, about that not being the case to be able to be flexible enough in mind to take that in and to adjust. So the nodes will move into Scorpio and Taurus January 18th. 2022. So we're going to have a year and a half of the collective ego shifting into the note of Scorpio and Taurus with Taurus as the North node. That's going to be the energy that's incoming or the energy that we are focusing on or kind of like, you know, building and you can choose to lean into that, you know, or not like this, just kind of the, um, the thrust, if you will, of collective evolution towards Taurus. And Scorpio is the thing that is going to be simultaneously releasing and kicking up. So Scorpio South Node, that's going to bring up stuff around um, things around energy exchange and being deeply involved and power dynamics. And it, it relates to situations where You know, in Taurus, we're going to be a little bit more self-reliant. That's like a person in their own garden that they work themselves in some sense, and they harvest from that garden. Scorpio is where we ally with another person, another um, experience, like we ally with something um, and become more than what we were alone and this creates all kinds of vulnerabilities and complexities, right? So if you really, really want someone and you want them so badly and they represent something that you don't feel you can access yourself, how do you relate to that person who has such a um, such a allure to you or is so promising to you of a total transformation in your reality, right? This is Eros, this is attraction, this is magnetism. And there are ways to be in right relationship and in right exchange and mutual energy exchange with reciprocity. Right. And there's also ways to be manipulative or coercive or to actually even have shame about what we really desire, not fully own up to it and go about getting what we want in these kind of sneaky ways. So Scorpio is where we become more aware of where we're disempowered, where we've given our power away and where we seek to extract from others because they represent something to us that we want. Right. So sticky. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to my notes uh, and draw some things from here. One thing that I want to add, you know, is Taurus and Scorpio are fixed signs. So we just went from like a mutable um zeitgeist. So that sense of um adjusting, the kind of winds changing, uh, taking in new perspectives, um, shifting our beliefs or our mindsets. Um, and there's that kind of mutable introducing change kind of energy. Whereas Taurus and Scorpio are fixed, they are um deeply embedded in our psyches, in our chakras, in our um energetic systems. And so it can be the places that we feel stagnant, um, as well as where our deepest breakthroughs can occur because these things are so deeply seated. So Taurus and Scorpio are heavily lower chakra energies. Taurus relates to our survival needs and the ways that we cultivate safety in our bodies and in our environment. Um, so survival needs, you know, also relates to Taurus's connection to save resources and money, um, the sense of having enough, having what we need. Right? Scorpio relates to sexuality and merging resources with others. So, in some sense, Scorpio is also about need. You know, it's um intimacy could be seen as a basic need, but it's a little bit more complex of a need, say, than um eating. And even eating has somewhat of a scorpionic energy to it in the sense that we are taking in a food and merging with it. So you'll see Taurus and Scorpio inside of each other in that way. So as Scorpio and Taurus, as this nodal um, shift has been approaching I'm going to be teaching Meteorite, which is a year long advanced program for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. The information to learn more and apply is in the notes. And because of the nodes being in these signs, and because Uranus is in Taurus and it's going to be conjunct the North Node, and because we still have Saturn in Aquarius, square Uranus in Taurus, and they're going to be impacting or kind of aspecting the nodes, there's a lot of fixed astrology in 2022. And the fixed signs, um, if you look at the world card and the tarot, you'll see the mascots of the fixed signs on every corner. I do feel that the fixed signs give us the world, right? We have our security needs and money and resources and how we relate to the body and how we relate to the earth and how we relate to sustenance and basic needs in Taurus. We have our kind of creative generative power, Um, our inner child, our inheritance of our own cosmic royalty and cosmic creativity in Leo. And then we have Scorpio, which is about this energy exchange and sexuality and merging and um, the law of synergy, you know, how we become more. um, And like a third thing is born from the union of two. And then we have Aquarius, which is about whole systems and paradigms and, you know, matrices of thought, like the architecture of the mind and the way that that influences what is possible. So, all of these signs are immensely powerful, the fixed signs, and they're also so deeply complex, right? Like, um, let's take food, for example, like Taurus food. Sometimes we do have a healthy relationship with food. A lot of people have a journey with food in terms of um, you know, the traumas around food, how we related to food when we were young, um, how accessible, healthy food was, how safe we felt like if we had enough, um, or, you know, was there weird energy connected to the food? Like you better eat everything on your plate, even if you're not hungry, like it's a basic thing, but it can become so complex and emotional, similar to like money, um, at its most basic level is a medium of exchange, right? And it becomes so storied with our money traumas, our judgments about money, our fears about who we would become if we had money, our fears about who we are when we don't have it, um, all of this, right? So things get sticky and complex. Um, the North Node in Taurus is suggesting like a incoming theme around sustainability, such as like for the planet, like being more Earth conscious, so more green. I think with Uranus conjunct the North Node, like Earth based technologies um, at a personal level, that could be breakthroughs around how we relate to ourselves as Earth, you know, how we relate to our own bodies from an increasingly... Um, like awakened place, right? Like if we've taken in a lot of programming about what the the body is or who we are that's not true to us, right? Like even the the kind of mechanistic worldview and mechanistic conditioning alters how we treat the body. It there's a a sense of like the mind-body connection, right? And do we have a worldview that the mind is the driver of the body, you know, or is there a mutual channel going both ways. Like, how do we relate to the mystery of the Soma? There also could be something around um, really increasing our self-esteem over the next year and a half as an antidote to some of our most addictive issues, Scorpio, relating to addiction and compulsion and where we are Um, entrenched in these kinds of emotional fixations, right? And these become so biological. Like if you have uh, an addiction that has, you know, it lives in your body, you have these cravings and it becomes easier to fulfill the craving than to change the whole thing. And why I bring up self-esteem is that there is a kind of shame and addiction connection, right? Like, um, feeding the addiction, feeling shame, feeding the addiction, feeling shame and relief, feeding the addiction and being in this cycle and upticks and self-esteem can help us to gain the, um, the insight about how to change those patterns as well as the motivation to. Or, you know, when it comes to, say, like love and romance and we're involved in some sticky kind of, you know, toxic situation. Toxic. I wonder how popular that word is going to continue to be throughout this nodal experience. Maybe it'll be questioned, right? Who knows? But the toxicity that we put ourselves into says something about what we think about ourselves, right? It's like what we think we're worth and what we think we're worth and how we feel about ourselves will influence what we get involved in, what we have space for. And some of these things could be traumas that started out earlier than we really had the kind of like rational capacity to, you know, assess these things out. And so we're not like entirely responsible for the things that happened to us in our early life um, before we had more agency. Right. But then as adults, we are responsible for how we integrate and metabolize and heal and like... Clear, deprogram some of those patterns. Okay. So in preparation for um, the nodes entering fixed signs and starting to really, you know, as I was saying with meteorite, we're going to be focusing a lot on the fixed signs. Um, I've just been tuning into the fixed signs like in the field. So one thing is this book, um, Tapping Into Wealth, which is about EFT, a somatic trauma healing technique. Um, to work with traumas around money and scarcity. And by the same author, this book called Unblocked, which is about healing through the chakras and um, Margaret Lynch, the author proposes that many people seek to fix their issues through the upper chakras. So the upper chakras relating to like our spiritual opening and our insight and our mind. Um, So we seek to fix our deepest issues through our mindset, through affirmations, through spirituality. And while I do love those things, and I think they are great as part of a multi-pronged approach to a holistic life, right? Um, Margaret Lynch is talking about how without addressing the root and literally the root chakra, that, uh, there's these deeper places inside of us that feel unsafe, um, or are still traumatized by a set of impressions or traumas that we absorbed in childhood. So even if we, um, make things kind of nice, uh, up in the upper chakras. She uses the metaphor of it's like putting frosty frosting on a moldy brownie. Or, um, I think my friend, uh, with the Scorpio Taurus nodes was talking about this phenomenon with me of people that try to do a lot of manifestation, but haven't, don't do shadow work. It's like, they're trying to put glitter on shit right and so there is going to be that kind of sense with the scorpio taurus of like taurus relates to the colon the reproductive organs of the genitals uh taurus relates to the mouth and the throat so we're talking about what we eat and what we should out or the pretty frosting on top and the moldy brownie underneath, like the sewage system, what's happening underneath, you know, like Scorpio South Node is going to care about like, okay, but what's really happening down there? What's the magnetic core of the situation that's attracting these kind of surface issues? What's at the root? Like that is going to become super important. Um, and so while the theme might be increasing our kind of self-esteem, self-worth, stability, uh, cultivating something of value, right? With the Taurus north node, there's the sense of, well, what's stuck in our system, what's lodged in there, uh, that's keeping us entrenched in these negative patterns or unable to move forward toward our goal because we have all of these, uh, sabotage or procrastination or low self-worth or addiction issues. Um, so looking at this stuff, you know, takes some grit, it takes some courage. It's not pretty to look at necessarily, but it becomes necessary along the path of cultivating a life of value, um, because you can manifest, you can, you know, have positive affirmations all you want, but if you don't address the deeper layers, it's hard to get far, um, The root chakra will relate to how we have the energetic capacity to have what we desire or to materialize our intentions and plans versus if we self-sabotage, procrastinate or are too mired in low self-worth or lack of belief in the self to actually step into our power and receptivity. So one image that just comes to mind that I feel um, can illustrate like a little bit of the Scorpio-Taurus dynamic is The the fixed signs relate to this function of homeostasis. Right. And Scorpio does want to create transformation and like till the soil and let things die and like let the death compost the soil for new life. Right. Um, Taurus has that drive um, towards stability and we can imagine a really beautiful, thriving, say functional garden, allowing that life death process to occur. But where we get really like tight around wanting, um, to keep something alive and not let it die, um, such as a pattern in our ego, things get harder and kind of more lodge and more stuck. Um, I had, a a transition in my life around, like growing up, I could eat whatever I wanted and it didn't show up on my physical form. So I didn't really have to learn, um, about, you know, managing what I ate if I were to care about what it would do to my weight, my appearance and whatnot. In my mid twenties, um, I had this experience of gaining weight and feeling like I kept really craving, um, the same foods that were contributing to the weight gain. But I also really didn't want, you know, to gain more weight. I wanted to go back to my other weight. And so it was like I was at war with myself because I had these cravings, but I knew that those cravings were feeding into something that I also didn't want. And I would even have periods of time where it's like I would work out, but then I'd find myself like eating like a big bowl of like popcorn popped in like, um, you know, olive oil and whatever, and just feeling like, why am I, I'm like directly eating in what I just worked out. Like, and I could feel that, like, why is my, my system not allowing the transformation that I want? And this was a struggle for a few years until, um, I worked with my coach who helped me Um, address the layer of, say, like trauma that I was working with, that I was like emotionally eating over. And then clearing that layer of trauma also opened me to believing that change was possible. Um, I found a personal trainer to work with. She gave me a system for um, basically eating macros. So I had a somewhat controlled diet that Um, Took a little bit of discipline at first, but what it did was it eliminated my cravings, like because of the times that I was eating and the kind of uh, nutritional content of what I was eating, it knocked out my cravings and I was able to give up um, cane sugar and other forms of sugar as well. And so it took a while to really get to the bottom of changing this kind of homeostatic pattern of having these cravings and feeling like I had to give in to them. Like it was too difficult to just fight them on willpower alone. And so that was like a food example, but addiction takes many forms, right? Like even if you're not like a substance addict or something really obvious, addiction is kind of where we um, are stuck in this particular way of like feeding a kind of Um, pleasure center something that's kind of like dead end in our reality. Like we could have a um, addiction to like anxiety and low self-worth. And we keep feeding that because we're actually afraid to step into our fuller power and creativity. Um, And so those channels of where we continually feed that like anxious pattern is like the most kind of lit up and accessible and available. And it's hard to move beyond it. So when it comes to creating change along the Scorpio Taurus axis, there's a way that we change what we're feeding ourselves with. So what's true nourishment, Taurus, um, as well as how we're letting go of stuff, like how we're letting go of stuck emotional energy or um, trauma that we've been holding on to or grudges or resentments that we've held on to um, that instead of addressing that material, we're kind of like. Um, taking in whatever we're addicted to, to kind of mask that. And so it's challenging. Some of these things don't just get fixed overnight. Um, Scorpio also really likes catharsis in some sense. So like a ceremony or a ritual, um, it also can involve like uh, external help, like a mentor or a coach. to be able to kind of engage in that shadow work or get perspective outside of our own uh, realm. The North Node and Taurus will relate to personal and collective effort to create more stability and sustainability, financial livelihood and meaningful relationship with the with resources, the body and the earth, right? So, Um. If we are wanting to step into financial livelihood, there's probably, you know, and that hasn't been our experience or we're at a certain ceiling of like we're cruising at some level, but we can't seem to get beyond that. There's often something to let go of Scorpio. What are we holding on to? What beliefs, what traumas that are keeping us held back from that further level of thriving, which is what Taurus represents, so even if we move toward the Taurus, okay, I'm going to work on my wealth mindset. Scorpio stuff is going to get kicked up too. What are my fears? What are, uh, what are the traumas? What are the things that I've held on to? The South Node and Scorpio relate to personal and collective releasing around the psychological complexes that make livelihood difficult to attain or hold on to. So as I've been saying, releasing does not mean that the stuff goes away. It simply gets kicked up it becomes more visible on its way out. And we also have to make the choice if we're gripping onto it or letting it go. Right. So if we're moving toward a greater, um, level of self-esteem, all of our little shame shadows will come out to be like, but how can you think that of yourself? You're actually, and then, you know, insert insult or, uh, kind of, Skeleton in the closet, kind of thing. And it's like you get to choose if you're going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I am a terrible person. Like, let me hold on to that. Or to kind of like allow that to um, burn off in some sense. So consider the voice that has objections and resistances to you, insert the blank, being financially um, well off, being in healthy relationships, being valued at your workplace. Um, being validated by society and living your purpose and genius and so on. Like anything that really represents you thriving, what are all the skeletons in the closet and all the fears and all the shadows. um, If you move toward that, which is truly valuable to you, you end up addressing that dust layer. These are the pieces of psychological material that need to be released to allow for greater prosperity. Now, sometimes this happens on its own by grace. It feels like a miracle that you step into this new threshold of abundance or self-love without it feeling so hard, right? Other times there is the kind of grunge work of getting in the mud and sorting through some of these stickier parts of the psyche, Some of these objections and resistances to our own thriving um, are not usually logical or even very conscious. They are the subconscious and relate to unconscious programming that we run based on cultural conditioning and ancestral and familial conditioning. You know, at the collective level, one of the images that I think of a lot is just like the oil industry or these kind of industries that are... um, running off of a paradigm that's very extractive and harmful to the earth and how it's so entrenched and embedded in the power structures. And there's a kind of cultural addiction where, um, it it's like, we're stuck in those cycles and to actually change that, um, something's got to give, right? Like And my hope really for Uranus conjunct the North Node and Taurus during 2022 is that there is like a, um, a leap in like green technology, um, especially green technology becoming more available so that it's less of an alternative lifestyle and more of the norm, um, when it becomes more easier for masses of people to participate in greener technologies. Um, at a personal level, one way, um, you know, that was like a big, like macro kind of thing, but sometimes we might put ourselves in a more conducive environment. Like we're in an environment and we know that, you know, if I stay in this kind of scene or in this energy, I'm going to keep falling into these patterns that are really easy for me to fall into. But if I have a change of scenery or change my environment, that will support me in also changing internally. Um, and that could be like, as you're cultivating your life of value, as you're cultivating, um, that which you seek to grow and create abundance and livelihood with, it could be like having a, um like a dedicated workspace that you put, um, energy and attention into. I mean, I'm not one to talk because the space behind me is not decorated. I mean to decorate it, but every week it, it still looks like this. Um, it's happening, it's coming. Um, but there's other ways I feel like that I've worked with my environment to support, say my work ethic, um, or my creativity and, one of that is even just like living alone. Whereas like living in a group house, it's easier to kind of get involved in like the house community. Whereas I know that if I'm alone, that supports certain things, um, that support my creativity. So thinking about how you're really relating to your environment in a way that's psychologically aware of what's going to feed, you know, the really valuable goals that you're working toward and not the kind of Um, holding patterns that really keep you from your full potential and excellence. When we feed Taurus or Scorpio within ourselves from a place of being blocked or numbed, we tend to need more stimulation to feel something. These are patterns like emotional eating, which I spoke to, needing intensity and drama to wake up or to feel alive We're wanting a lot of sex, money, food, recognition, et cetera, uh, but it never really feeling like enough or never really hitting the spot. Like, it's not like any of these kind of pleasures, uh, anything hedonistic is inherently bad. I'm not of that line of thinking, Um, but it's the sense of, are you constantly grabbing for more and more and more? And it's just feeding a bottomless pit. Versus where do you have the capacity to really receive and to truly feel nourished? And sometimes that's a matter of sensitizing ourselves, right? Like we haven't gotten used to feeling how our organs feel or feeling the quality of the air on our skin or feeling um, like feeling our heart, um, feeling our womb. If we have one feeling more awake with what's already there. And often that process is intensely vulnerable because once we wake up feeling, um, then we can't override ourselves as easily. We're more sensitive. We become more responsible to that relationship that we have with our sensitivity. Um, There's also... way that you know we have a relationship with that which we eat that which we merge with and we have a relationship with all of the ways that we receive uh whether that's you know compliments or love right and It may not feel like it's hitting the spot, say, if we receive love for something that's like a really superficial layer of us, and there's some deep, tender part of ourselves that we don't let anyone see. So we never get touched there. And so we're always really hungry there, right? But maybe we abundantly allow ourselves to be met at this more superficial layer. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Like people always say that nice thing about me. It doesn't really touch me. Right. And so, how do we become more sensitive is both taking in what's already there at a deeper level, but also letting ourselves be touched at a deeper level. Um, Back to this idea of like needing more and more and more, but it never hitting the spot. This is also like consumer culture at a collective level um, connects to this addictive pattern, whereas it's not like things and material possessions are in of themselves, the root of evil. Um, But if we don't have a real relationship with them and they're hollow, and so we keep wanting more things to feed that sense of hollowness, then yeah, we are kind of laying waste to a lot of material and labor and stuff in that process of wanting to be fed when we're never gonna be satisfied. So what about tuning in more deeply with what's here? which is gonna be more of a, I suppose, a Scorpio south node lesson being kicked up. During this transit, we need the intelligence of skillfully letting go and clearing space. So how we release emotional stagnancy and trauma. We also need the intelligence of proper feeding of our truest desire. Like maybe it's easier to stuff ourselves with a Netflix binge. But the deeper thing we are craving will take a lot more courage and vulnerability to pursue. Now, as someone that also has certain moments of just being like catatonically out, like tired, just like shut off, um, I allow myself to go into those spaces because it's like a, a hibernatory moment before the next thing comes So when I'm in that space, I've learned not to have shame about it and to just let it be. But um, it's like intuitively feeling into, yeah, right now, I just kind of want to tune out, numb out, watch Netflix, not talk to anyone. But is that truly the most fulfilling? Do I really need to tune out right now? Or is that a form of numbing that's protecting me from a deeper level of engagement with life? And say we choose to engage deeper with life That is vulnerable. That's high sensation in some sense. And so sometimes we need to pace that opening process. Um, And what are some ways of relaxing that are a more nourishing form of relaxing? So instead of uh, binging shows or scrolling because you're tired and burnt out, walking around a lake. Or sitting by a tree, or making something with your hands, like finding activities that connect you more intimately with your body and with life in your moments of rest than total numbing and dissociation. And to just practice increasing presence. and diverging from that numbing or disassociating pattern into presence at an increasing level. Taurus relates to the mouth and throat, what we take in and consume, as well as the voice. Um, a lot of people, you know, if you have a, a blocked kind of throat chakra, it's hard to speak up. Um, you have a lot of fear about using your voice, and there can be a lot of trauma release just from speaking and sharing ideas, as well as um freeze kind of trauma response before getting to that place. Um unless your trauma response is fight, then maybe you use your voice in a really destructive way um, and are stuck in that cycle. Um, but finding kind of like a generative relationship with the throat, with the voice. Um, as a way of kind of exercising some of these blockages in this area. The torus uh, rules the throat and mouth. So Scorpio relates the genitals, reproductive organs, and the colon. So how we merge and create life, as well as how we process waste. Letting go of stuck material we have not successfully purged, but that we've held on to will naturally help us make more nourishing decisions about what we want to take in right so even like um when it came to uh i guess you know really mastering my cravings cuz i was ruled by my cravings like i always wanted sugary things every day multiple times a day and it was really frustrating um and it felt like a place that i was like losing a lot of my personal power um By getting rid of those cravings, part of that was about first employing the kind of um, willpower around shifting my dietary habits, Um, but doing so in a way I couldn't figure out myself like this. A person helped me and it was like scientifically backed how to kind of regulate my blood sugar so that I'm not constantly craving more sugar. Um, But when you're already in the habit of eating sugars, the gut kind of wants more of it in some sense. So there's a way that like what we're already digesting and what we're already processing informs what we want more of. Right. So, um, if we have the way of kind of letting go of some of these things that we keep homeostatically merging and bonding with like sugar or situations that validate our low self-esteem or whatever it is that we're addicted to, it will help eventually diminish those cravings, but it's kind of like clearing the ecosystem from the, um, parasitic consciousness, if you will, that wants more of the addiction. Um, and then similarly, having a hunger or desire um, for something that's really life-affirming and really life-giving may challenge us to let go of our stagnancy. So when we have like a noble goal or something that we really care about and it's like we're, we're committed, sometimes that's, that's enough to help us let go of certain things. A really good example could be parenting where a new parent is uh, so full of love for their child and so um, holding the desire to like really nourish this life. Um, that they naturally are more motivated to kind of like let go of some of their own trauma patterning like to see it come up by the reflection of this situation of, you know, raising a new child. Um, and rather than acting on that material and perpetuating it to release it in some other way. Um, right. Like if you are, really like living in your genius and you are pursuing something that matters so, so, so much to you, you may have the motivation to really kind of work with the shadow material that comes up as opposed to if you are in a situation that doesn't really challenge you or like, it's not showing you like your higher path or, you know, your livelihood or your, your greater thriving. um, There's not as much juice to like clear up those addictive patterns per se. So this is kind of what I mean, too, by interrupting the system when we have an addiction issue. It's like sometimes moving toward more meaningful things will help us have the motivation, right? Sometimes letting go of what's standing in our way and we don't necessarily have a replacement is a brave thing to do to also move the story along. It's become popular over the years to label things or people as toxic, And sometimes with the hypocrisy or lack of self accountability within individuals who do not acknowledge how they themselves got hooked into the toxicity, you know, where they wanted to be needed, you know, or, um, where they had an attachment issue they weren't taking responsibility for, um, where they loved the drama, loved the high sensation of it. It's one thing to just blame the situation or blame other people. Um, But perpetually doing that, you know, the person who runs from shit show to shit show to shit show, always saying it's everyone else's fault. um, It's kind of like the situation may change or they may cut the tie with that person, but like the hydra or like that, you know, uh, dragon or something that if you cut off its head, it just grows another one. It's like if the inner patterning isn't addressed, then we just attract the same situations over and over again. So whenever we're in a situation that's toxic, the most powerful thing that we can do is to assess why we're hooked into that, like what part of us was magnetically attracted or like where we had the receptors to kind of hook into that situation and to really um, take account of that. And the more aware and lucid we are about that, the more that we gain the self-control or self-respect to stop feeding those kinds of things, stop feeding the codependency or stop feeding the addictions simply first by acknowledging them. And that takes, um, there's a certain, you know, I always think of the fixed signs as relating to excellence and people that are willing to take accountability for their own shadow material have that much more tools within them to be in their genius because they're not leaking their power and creativity away to this like victim consciousness of it's everyone else's fault and I'm just stuck in it or, you know, I'm just the victim to this. And none of this is to not to deny like situations that are unfair, you know, or um, terrible behavior. It's from a personal power standpoint of assuming that we do not have control over other people or external situations. But we do have a lot of agency around how we move and relate and bond with those situations and other people We get to choose what we're available for and not available for, and there's deeper layers of unconscious hooking and unconscious availability to things that compromise our actual goals or our actual values, and being able to see that material and clean it up um, becomes important with these notes. The sturdiness of Taurus as the north node may stress more popularity around people cultivating a life of value by releasing their attachment to unnecessary drama at a deep level. So not simply cutting the toxic people out while maintaining those patternings that even attract those relationships, uh, but actually undoing their own addiction and compulsion patterns that connected them to those toxic dynamics in the first place. So I'm really curious to see what this nodal transit is going to look like in terms of what becomes part of public conversation. Um, What's going on with, say, like money and investment, which is such a Taurus Scorpio thing. What's going on with embodiment? Um, What's going on with things around um, basic needs, food um, and whatnot? So Thank you for tuning in. If you um, have any thoughts, please write in the comments, please like this video. This was at the tail end um, of a forecast for January 12th to 18th, 2022. But since this transit has um, a long-term effect, I wanted to make it its own video for reference later. Um, But if you're new here, I write these weekly forecasts about um, the transits that are happening every week and also have a podcast magic of the spheres where I share, um, some solo episodes as well as interview episodes. You can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. Um, my mailing list is also linked below. And of course, meteorite and information about that. If you've studied with me before in the intensive is linked below and the next intensive will be coming out around spring or summer 2022. All right. Um, Wishing you all a really fruitful, abundant 2022. Let me know what you think and how you're feeling in the comments.